0: I didn't know if you wanted me to bring up Jack the Ripper, but yeah.
1: <laughs> Hi, and welcome to Episode of My name is Brandon Sparks. And here on Cinemation, we discuss film genres and the tropes and stories within them. For the month of July, we have been discussing movie musicals. And today, I have a special guest with me. Thomas is not here. But a few years back, early in the show's run back in like 2016 I promised a friend of mine that one day we would do an episode about musicals and that never happened but now it's 2021 and I like to finally welcome that friend of the show and that's my good buddy Sean Randall. Sean, thank you for coming today.
0: No problem. Y'all did y'all did do one episode that touched on musicals I think cuz I called in. <laughs> I called in with a question. Oh, did which one was that? Which I I I <sighs> I honestly don't remember. It, maybe it was just my question that was about music. Uh, was, was, was it was it
1: was it was it band movies? Because we did that. Might, I think it might have been. Band yeah, movies it was the band. We did we did it. an early episode of the band movies, which we just recently redid for a month. Yeah, um, yeah. but you even like talked about pre that. I think even before we oh, redid oh, probably. Redid, yeah, redid the show as like a genre show. I think you were like because you actually listened to all of our episodes at one point.
0: Yeah, uh, so and like, and I think my first. Thing that i wrote for you guys was about m- the movie musical and uh yeah it was about uh, hamilton a it was about small Ham- little known production called hamilton yeah, on
1: hamilton you know. yeah uh yeah. and look where we are now in the current yeah. modern world
0: <laughs> exactly
1: <laughs> the answer was Lynn and miranda um so yeah so thank you for coming we're gonna dive into musicals today and i want to hear your knowledge about the movie we're talking about uh so as i said this month we're talking about movie musicals we talked about the history of the genre. We talked about the way music and songs are used to move the story along, but most importantly, the way music reveals things about character. We've also talked about how many of the movie musicals that have been, have been adaptations of original Broadway musicals, specifically with the original West Side Story from 1961. And when talking about these adaptations, we talked about how some of these make these stories cinematic, while some might not fully grasp why musicals are being made into that movie musical. Um, because I think... This is something we're going to talk about today uh, with the movie we're talking about, Sweeney Todd, Dean Barber Fleet Street. And Broadway shows have a different structure than films. And they also can have a different perspective uh, because you have an audience that you're working with in the room. And with film, changes need to be made. And I feel like today's movie, Sweeney Todd, Dean Barbara Fleet Street, which we'll just call Sweeney Todd because it's a long title, uh, handles these ideas of st- the structure and perspective i think very well um and we'll we'll dive in that before we dive into the film sean we're finally here can you tell me why this was one of the movies you picked because you gave me a few lists and we tried to kind of design it for the (laughs) month and this is the one we decided upon so why did you pick this
0: movie uh okay look honestly part of the reason was uh one you told me that thomas picked across the universe uh which you know i wanted i wanted to when that was a choice, I was like, well, not very many people defend that movie, and I would like to, but yeah. you told me Thomas. Thomas, Thomas uh, Yeah, d- Thomas, d- Thomas did. It. Yeah, yeah, he did. But um, another reason I picked it, other than the fact that it is one that I have seen both the stage version and uh, uh, the movie, mm-hmm. um, which admittedly, because, you know, sometimes there's a lot of movies that I just haven't seen. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and a lot of stage musicals that I haven't seen either. I, I have listened to a ton of stage musicals, but I haven't s- yeah. seen a bunch of them for reasons we can talk to about later. But um, I think this one is important not only because it is a darker, more serious uh, material, which is not typical fodder for movie musicals yes i agree or stage musicals to be honest but yes. movie musicals in particular don't tend to be this consistently dark yeah uh but also it is written and uh music and lyrics by steven sondheim yeah um who is the i will say the most influential currently living stage composer I think that that's a fair thing to say partly because the bigger name who has already been brought up, Lin-Manuel Miranda Uh has been directly influenced by Stephen Sondheim in big ways. He's been influenced by like a lot of the people that came before him. And you know, like that's part of what Stephen Sondheim's influence is, but Mm -hmm. we, you know, talk about Sondheim's influence later, but I think it is interesting uh, that I think it's, I think, I think talking about Sondheim, is an interesting path, is a more interesting path to the movie musical, to the modern movie musical in particular, uh, than, you know, chatting about, like, Evita or something
1: yeah. <laughs> like that. Uh, yeah, I, I, can, I, I feel Thomas, if he's listening, just turned off the episode. Because uh, <laughs> uh, uh-huh. he, he made his point, he may his, his theory, or his made his opinions of Sondheim known uh, in West Side Story. But I will give Thomas credit. Thomas did push... For us to do this episode, because I think he said he goes, you kind of can't not talk about Sondheim when talking about movie musicals. So he is, he is, he is, he is aware of that and talks about that. When you talk about how it's it's darker and it's heavier in terms of, I guess, material, uh, I, I think because when when researching for this, I began to realize that a lot of people who like this movie don't really like musicals.
0: Yeah, uh, I actually. Uh, I had a friend that and this was something I I don't I don't know exactly where it fits into the uh, process of 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 the episode. But I wanted to mention I wanted to talk about the the trailers for the movie (laughs) because I actually did have a friend. This came out when I was uh, either a fresh. No, it came out in Christmas. So I would have been a sophomore in college. Yeah. Um, And I had a friend who went and saw the movie in theaters and came back and was like, yeah, I really liked it, which is weird. I didn't know it was a musical (laughs) and I usually hate those, Yeah, but it was good. Uh, But on the flip side, I read something earlier today uh, that talked about in the UK, there were people that walked out of the theater once they realized it was a musical, because if you go back and you watch the trailer, one song, (laughs) <laughs> a, an important song but one one like 15 second at best clip of johnny depp singing Yeah, it's, it's epiphany isn't is, it that's yeah, it's it epiphany. epiphany yeah it's epiphany yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah which great song and 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 uh, the the way it was filmed the way it was staged yeah. for the film made it great for a trailer yeah but that was it. Name another movie musical that does that. Like I think I think another one that, that did it, not <laughs> not as big
1: a movie musical. But I remember like Tangle did that uh, for the for anime because that has music, and I don't know if it's considered a full blown.
0: It's a musical. Okay, yeah, it's a musical seen, seen the it same once. way. Like like if it depends on how you're going to argue. Because I will argue that certain movie musicals fail to really dig into the musical uh aspect of what they are like i think move on and even frozen falls apart at the end both of them their third act Mm -hmm. falter uh when it comes to really committing to being a musical um and those are i know animated movies uh live action they tend to carry through if they're a musical but yeah even the animated movies like tangled and things or frozen frozen too they do tend to play at least some music and, you know, like, show some singing. Yeah. But also you tend to expect it. It's a Disney movie. It will have singing. You, you th- th- That is a factor that is a cultural knownness. Well,
1: I, I know Tangled, brief aside, but I know Tangled changed kind of its marketing because it was Princess and the Frog didn't do well. So they, mm. they, they turned it from Rapunzel to Tangled. and like, yeah, they pushed, changed the name. And, like, pushed Flynn Rider in the trailers a lot more. Anyway. So we'll dive into Sweeney Todd now. Sweeney Todd, for those that haven't seen it, uh, it is streaming currently on Paramount Plus and Hulu. You can also rent it probably on Prime or Apple, wherever your movies from. So it's the it's the Sweeney Todd is 2007 film adaptation of the famous musical of same name with music and lyrics as we said by the legendary Stephen Sondheim. The film is about a man who returns home to London after being exiled for several several years in prison. I believe it's in Australia or someplace. Yeah.
0: he's sent to Australia.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, after being wrongfully put there by a jealous judge by the name of Judge Turpin, before going into prison, the man was named Benjamin Barker, and he had a wife, a daughter, and a successful career as a barber. And after being released, he now got, goes by the name of Sweeney Todd, and he seeks revenge on the man who put him there. The now twisted man filled with vengeance has lost his wife and his child and is now in in custody of the judge. And when he returns, Sweeney is reunited with his old landlord, Mrs. Lovett, who runs a meat pie shop below what used to be his apartment. And soon Sweeney partners with her to reopen his barber shop in hopes of finally completing his revenge against the judge by killing him. So the film stars a quintessential 2007 cast with Johnny Depp as Sweeney Todd, Helena Bonham Carter as Mrs. Lovett, Alan Rickman as Judge Turpin timothy spall as beetle bamford judge's right hand manned and sasha baron cohen as pirelli a rival barber of todd now depp was just coming off the massive success of pirates of the caribbean trilogy the final one had just been released that summer depp now a a very problematic person to talk about and understandably so um also, that summer, Helena Baum Carter had just made her first appearance as Bellastri- Bellatrix Lestrange in Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, which also starred Alan Rickman and Timothy Spall. And also the year before, Sasha Baron Cohen had just broken out into the mainstream with Borat. So this was seen as a big turn for him because he'd been only known for comedies. It's weird watching this movie now and seeing Cohen. I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot. there was like This was the kind of breakout movie where he began like doing prestige stuff yeah, and not just comedy.
0: Well, at, at the very least, it was the first time the most people, I would say, uh, had seen him do something that wasn't a character. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, that wasn't just an extended SNL skit or yeah. whatever you want to call what he does, what he's most famous for. This was the first time where it was like, oh, he is an actor performing a role.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: In a set
1: story. In a set yeah. story. And like that was part of the like I think mar- not marketing, but like part of the interview's like, so what's he like? They were asking everyone like what's he really like? Because the first <laughs> time, like, you're seeing him as an actor, and like, I think Depp and Burt was just like, Oh, he's amazing. He's such a nice guy. Like, he just really gets into his characters. I think I think Depp compared him to Peter Sellers. Um yeah. uh so he it's very much like this is where you started to see Cohen like, Oh, he's gonna be an actor and not just Like you said, doing characters. Mm -hmm. So that's the cast now onto the crew. The film was directed by Tim Burton and one of his most Tim Burton projects. But also, it's definitely the darkest Burton has ever gone. Uh, It's almost like he did this and he was like, all right, time to tone it down. Now he does family films, um, mostly through Disney. Uh, The script was written by John Logan, who had just recently received two Oscar nominations for his work on Gladiator, directed by Ridley Scott, and The Aviator, directed by Martin Scorsese. He, he also served as one of the film's producers. The other three producers on the film were Richard D. Zanuck, Walter F. Parks, and Laurie McDonald. Now, Zanuck, the son of legendary producer Daryl Zanuck of, I believe, ooh, I won't say it, of Fox is what it was, uh, was one of Tim Burton's most consistent collaborators, producing a total of six of Burton films, uh, including one of my favorites, Big Fish. And Parks and McDonald are a married couple who, at the time, were helping build out the film division of the growing DreamWorks as they were the heads of the motion picture division of the company. They had previously worked on Catch Me If You Can and Minority Report for Steven Spielberg, and that's kind of why they got the job. And, of course, the music and lyrics, and also the score for this film was done by Steven Sondheim, whose other credits include famous musicals like I mean, name them: Into the Woods, Sunday in the Park with George, Company, Assassins. And he also, we talked about him, as, as Sean said, on West Side Story because he wrote the lyrics for the musical. Mm-hmm. So that's our cast and crew. Let's talk about some of our initial thoughts. So, Sean, did you see it when you originally came out
0: in theaters? You talked about when it came out for you. I don't remember. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I definitely, I, I suspect that I did because uh, back in college, there was a movie theater not terribly uh, far away. Yep. Um, I didn't have a car, but I had friends that had cars and we'd go see movies. And I do remember that I saw it around the time it came out, if not when it first came out, because I even got a, uh, I'm pretty sure I got like a movie poster. (laughs) I had just not, not a, not a, not a legit one, but like a dinky little, from a magazine free thing you know i
1: also had a movie poster of this by the way but i actually had bought yeah. a, a real one so i had seen i actually did i'm seeing this movie i saw this with my dad no when i was 16 at All cop right. the, at cop theaters in Tuscaloosa, i believe the theater you were talking yeah. about sean uh yeah. and i i didn't gravitate toward gravitate towards it because it was a musical uh i think it was because i was gravitating more towards the style and again it's like you gotta think 07 it's like it's Tim Burton. It's Johnny Depp. That yeah. was like a big thing. Um, and I was just really getting into the film, a filmmaking world. I like want to do that as a career. And I had heard how Burton was using it as like a throwback to old school ho- horror films and silent films. And I just, I really loved that idea. So I remember seeing it then. And I think my dad wanted to see it. My dad, uh, tra- or, or he, his original, he studied music uh, when he was in college and, and high school as well. So mm-hmm. I think he won. I think he was interested in the musical part, but I think also he he really loved Sasha Baron Cohen at that point. So that was another <laughs> reason why we went. Yeah. So yeah, it was one, and it was one that kind of like was talked about because again, it was that period of where like you kind of always went to see the Tim Burton like depth. Yeah. collaboration. Um, and we, because we weren't, because I was in drama in, in high school, but we weren't really musical theater kids. Um, but we still all tried to see it when it came out. History of House got made. Let me dive into that real quick for you. So Stephen Sondheim musical of Sweeney Todd, Dean Barber Fleet Street, opened on Broadway in 1979 with music and lyrics by Sondheim and the book by Hugh Wheeler. Now, Sweeney Todd, however, was a character that originated in England during the Victorian era and... Era, In the 1840s, in a weekly magazine that published a story by the name of A String of Pearls, it was considered to be a penny dreadful, which were stories that were printed in cheap magazines that were full of gore and violence, and kind of the predecessor to pulp novels or pulp magazines, and the story of Sweeney Todd became incredibly popular upon its release, and continued to be a popular story in England for years. Fast forward 100 years later, in 1973, when playwright Christopher Bond writes a play called Sweeney Todd the Demon Bar of Fleet Street, and he finally gives the main character a backstory. He adds that Todd was falsely convicted for a crime and exiled to Australia, while the judge takes advantage of his wife, driving her mad and essentially turning it into a revenge tale. Sondheim saw the original run of the production, and he instantly thought this could be a musical. He said that Bond was able to add a lot of dramatic elements to the story, giving it weight that wasn't present before. And after seeing it, he began working on the musical based on Bond's play. Now, that Broadway production would run for over a year and garner nine Tony nominations, and it would win eight, including Best Musical. Three days after it closed on Broadway, the show opened in London, where the reviews were mixed, which I find very funny that you talked about how UK people walked out of the theater. Uh, It would close the same year of opening, only running for 157 performances, 400 less than the original production. But during that run, there was someone that was in attendance that fell in love with the musical. And that was a young animation student by the name of Tim Burton, who was visiting London at that time. And he decided to go to the musical, a form of entertainment that he apparently dislikes to this day. Um, He was floored by what he saw, and he went back and saw production for three straight nights and when watching it, he didn't know if he'd become a filmmaker of some kind, but he always thought that this would be a great film because he saw it as an old horror film with music. At the end of the 1980s, after Burton had gained some success as a director, he reached out to Stephen Sondheim and told him that he was interested in turning the musical into a film. And Sondheim said, that sounds fine. Uh, and then he said Burton went off and did other things. Fast forward again, the early 2000s, and film and theater director Sam Mendez. Was working on a film adaptation of Sondheim's musical for DreamWorks Picture. Now, Mendez is known more now for his work as directing Skyfall in 1917, or Revolutionary Road, or American Beauty, but he had directed musicals before. He did theater before he did film. And he did things like Cabaret, Oliver, and Sondheim's own Assassins in England. Sondheim was asked by Mendez in June of 2003 to write the film screenplay, but he declined. Uh, and Sondheim have approved them to hire screenwriter John Logan to write the, the script for the film. Logan had recently been nominated for an Oscar for Gladiator, which was another DreamWorks film. He said his biggest challenge in adapting the musical was taking a sprawling, magnificent Broadway musical and making it cinematic and an emotionally honest film. On stage, you can have a chorus sing as the people of London, but I think that would be alienating in a movie. On stage, a declamatory element is understood, but movies whisper at you. For me, movies exist in a close-up. However, not long after Logan a script, Mendez dropped out of the project to go make the 2005 film Jarhead, starring Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, when Tim Burton heard about this, he leapt at the chance to find direct his dream project, and Burton had just had a project shelved due to an excessive budget, and that was a movie that was going to be called Ripley's Believe It or Not, based on the <laughs> Ripley's Believe It or Not franchise. Uh, okay. Can you guess who's going to star as Robert Ripley, the guy who who like invented it, I guess? Johnny Depp? No, not Johnny Depp. Uh, Jim no. Carrey. Jim Carrey in a Tim Burton movie. Um, mm. Burton would come on board of Sweeney Todd and work rework the script with John Logan. Uh, while making this project, Steve Steven Sondheim actually had final approval over a lot of things, including the director and the cast. Uh, but Burton said he would only do this film with Johnny Depp in the lead. Sondheim approved of Depp as Todd some people say he, he heard it but I'm not I heard him sing but I'm not entirely sure because there's a more of a story with that later uh, but he did worry at first that Depp was a little too rock oriented at first to be Sweeney Todd um, so when it came to Mrs. Lovett Helena Bohm Carter wanted the role because she grew up loving the musical uh, but Burton didn't want her to be in it at first because they were married at the time and he didn't want to think she got the role because of that uh so carter hired a vocal coach and worked on the part for three months before auditioning for burton and then for sondheim himself by sending him 12 audition tapes of her singing uh and sondheim would approve of her immediately so the pre-production of the film began as producer richard zanuck said sets were being built costumes were being made money was being spent spent but still no one had heard johnny depp sing And they're beginning to worry that he would not be able to. Uh, But for those who don't know, Depp originally moved to L.A. in the 80s as a musician with his band. He was a guitarist, though. So he contacted the singer of his old band, uh, and they began working on his vocals. And he created a few tapes for Burton and the others. The first song he said he ever sung, ever, was My Friends. Uh, And once they heard it, they were happy with what they heard, and their kind of worries were uh, disappeared. Um, after that, the cast was rounded out with Alan Rickman, Sasha Baron Cohen, Timothy Spall, and newcomers Jamie Campbell-Bauer as Antony and Jane Wisner as uh, Joanna. And that's how
0: everything came together. So it's a lot of stuff. I was just going to say, uh, early on in that, you said Tim Burton hates musicals? Yes, has he seen Nightmare Before Christmas? He produced. He didn't. He didn't. He produ- <laughs> I know he didn't direct it. I know he didn't yeah. direct it. Let's, yeah, yeah. let's be clear. But it is Tim Burton's Nightmare. He was pretty involved in the process. But the big
1: thing I think Helena Bohm Carter said that in, in like a behind the scenes thing on Sweeney Todd. She's like, yeah, he hates musicals. Uh, Good grief. So that's why he always <laughs> he always saw this movie as a horror film, and that's a reason why uh, him and Sondheim kind of got along because Sondheim also doesn't like movie musicals really
0: yes i i i actually wanted to bring that up later yeah uh, when we talk about the core of what what i think this movie uh means as a movie musical in the genre yeah but uh there are things that sondheim says that are in direct conflict with what a lot of sondheim fans think about the movie (laughs) let me tell you Well, we'll get
1: into that. So, but first, uh, can you give me one of your favorite scenes from the movie?
0: Epiphany. Okay. Epiphany. <laughs> I'm sorry, like it was just gonna be that, and 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 if you ask me, my favorite song later, it's Epiphany. It's gonna be Epiphany, and like I actually did read that Johnny Depp had never sung before was wasn't known for his singing, quote unquote. <laughs> um, this is gonna come up a lot, but but. I, I went to college for theater. I wasn't a technically a musical theater student because I very much cannot dance. <laughs> Not great at it. I've had to. I almost fell off a stage once. It was fine. But I did do a lot of musical theater stuff. The singing. Yeah. you know, I took pretty much every single musical theater class plus classes, voice lessons with the School of Opera. And I did a lot of mu- music productions with the school of music with the opera school Mm -hmm. because of that i have a lot of friends in the musical theater theater world i had a lot of acquaintances that had opinions and again this came out during college and sondheim is an incredibly as in in the stage theater world he is incredibly revered like i said before he is perhaps the most influential living stage music composer Mm -hmm. partly because He's had a long life. He's 90-something now, I think. He's in his 90s. Uh, He's been around a while, and he's got a pretty decent repertoire. Yeah. But because he's so revered, it has caused opinions (laughs) about things. And Johnny Depp being cast, uh, Johnny Depp's singing is Incredibly different. (laughs) Incredibly different from the original cast and the original concept.
1: Yes, the tone's very Uh, different in this movie compared to the original version of the
0: show. So, like, the original version of the show uh, is not George Hearn i have to look yes. it up again because i always thought it was george Hearn, Yeah, george Hearn was but george po- Hearn is the second one he was the first he's, national he's, tour
1: yeah he's the second one he's also the one that's on the taped version of the show he's,
0: he's perhaps the most famous one yeah but the original broadway recording and original broadway cast was len carrieu yeah i don't know if i'm saying that right i'm sorry len uh with Angela Lansbury doing Mrs. Lovett for both the original and the Broadway, but and a side hmm? thing, I know
1: Victor Garber, uh, yeah, is, yeah, is, I is didn't Ant- know that is, either. Is Anthony, yeah. So I don't like his singing. They don't like Depp singing.
0: So the the thing is, is it, George Hearn in particular, but even Len Cario, the theatrical version is a very broad, boisterous baritone sound. Yeah, loud, big baritone. Depp. Didn't do that, and I think Burton didn't want that either. Yeah, because you mentioned a quote uh, uh, in your breakdown of it. Rock oriented. Well, no, not the rock oriented thing. Uh-huh. The part where he's where someone said the movie is done in close up. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. John Logan, the writer. Yeah, it's yes, a, it's a whisper.
0: And I a hundred percent think that that is that that is a big part of what this movie is, and that's a big part of what Epiphany is to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and. It's not just my favorite scene in the movie because of how different it is to George Hearn or whatever. Because like I said, this was my f- introduction to Sweetie Todd. Mm-hmm. I didn't know about this George Hearn thing until the people I went to school with started complaining <laughs> and talking about, man, George Hearn is so much better. Yeah, it's yeah. like, Epiphany is this movie's let it go. <laughs> yeah, no. It absolutely is emotionally. It is not musically because of the t- because of what Sondheim's style is uh, versus the pop music that is "Let It Go," but emotionally they are fulfilling the same character moments. They this is a pivotal moment where the main character is making a decision. Yes, for me, it's not just epiphany, but like the the pretty women leading directly into epiphany. That final moment where where uh, Todd is savoring his moment with judge turpin he's got him in his hands Mm -hmm. he's he's just finally 15 plus years of 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 prison and and torment yeah it's about to be over yeah yeah. and then it all gets ruined (laughs) it's all ruined and in that moment he's he, he finally snaps yeah he has been walking towards snapping at a steady pace yeah the entire movie just before and and this happens super quickly mm-hmm. in the timeline of the film he literally just killed where, spoiler no, he, say, he, say, he just killed pirelli he just killed he pirelli. just killed pirelli <laughs> yeah spoiler he's gonna kill a lot of people yeah <laughs> but he j- he literally just killed pirelli yeah like Pirelli's blood is on his sleeve. Yeah, he, yeah he, That's a moment. He yeah, panics yeah, yeah, when he the puts, judge comes he, in. He puts he's a coat on, to, on it. Puts on a coat. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's like, I, 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 I gotta hide. Gotta yeah. hide the blood. Gotta hide the fact that I murdered. Um, but that literally just happened. And that moment is, is step one of him finally committing to the snap. That's the first time he kills. And it's not the revenge kill. Like, no, it's, it's been about revenge. That's what he's been telling himself. And what Epiphany does is he decides, he goes back to where he was at the beginning of the movie. Uh, there's a hole in the world. Yeah. Uh, great that, black pit. Yeah. Great black uh, pit. Yeah. Great black and, black the, yeah. Um, and he goes back to that and says, but I know how to fix it. Yeah. Kill everyone. And what's great about the mo- moment is that it isn't just, I'm going to kill everyone. It's I'm, I'm going to kill everyone. And then I break down and I'm crying because I am suffering loss.
2: Yeah. In the chair. Come on. Come on. Sweeney's waiting. I want you bleeders. You, sir. Anybody. Gentlemen, I don't be shy. Not one, one man. No, no, ten. I'll practice unless on less honorable bull and see buzz in...
1: talked about close-up and i and i heard burton say how like again you can tell he doesn't like musicals i will say this because he plays (laughs) a lot of it in close-ups and Mm -hmm. medium shots like musicals tend to be wider and larger in scope Mm -hmm. in terms of how it's framed like in a cinematography way and really kind of the only time he does that fully is an epiphany when it's that long crane up of depth with his arms out kind of at the end. And then both all, that's with, when he's with people and also when he's not with people at the kind of the Joanna part, um, mm-hmm. it that's when it gets wide. A lot of times he'll do, he'll get wide a little bit in the streets and stuff with, the, with like Anthony and stuff with Joanna and reprise and everything. But yeah. he, he doesn't get wide because it's, it, he's very, it's very contained a lot of the time in the Mrs. Lovett's pie shop and the barber shop. That's he doesn't yeah. get wide a lot of the time yeah epiphany is also one of mine because of all the things you just said i think it's mm-hmm. a great uh inner monologue of the character and structurally mm-hmm. again I, what i like about me what it, what it does very well because i have been thinking about this a lot lately when looking at the month uh of movie musicals and i was talking to a few friends last night kind of about this movie and a few other things which i hadn't seen i hadn't watched this movie yet uh when i discussed it but i was talking about how like structurally a musical is very different a a broadway show is different than a film because i remember watch i watched in the heights recently which i loved but with with broadway shows you have that middle act break you have that big huge number and then you get 10 minutes to go to the bathroom and smoke break or whatever you want to do uh and then you come back and usually a lot of times there's somewhat of a time jump but uh, mm-hmm. in that act break and that end of act one always leaves you on a question or it's a character that has like, I have fully committed to this new idea and you're going to hop in act two and see kind of where they're at now after committing to that idea. Right. And this one does a really good job. This goes into a scene I really like is him building his chair out. Yeah. That's the, that's kind of the transitional point from act one, to act two which you don't see in the musical, if I'm not mistaken, closes with a little priest at the end of act one. That's when they Mm -hmm. both committed to, we're going to kill people and then turn them in the meat pies and sell it to the neighborhood.
0: That's the thing, which is a weird choice because like you just said, uh, usually you end on the big number. You you end on epiphany. Epiphany would usually be where most people would end act one, but it's a two person Sondheim Sondheim wanted that absurdity yes and dark comic moment to be where but
1: it also to argue is that this, this move this or this story is a two two-hander it's it's Lovett and true and yes. and Todd and so if Todd makes a decision we're still leaving uh, Lovett hasn't made a decision yet so love it sure. basically goes off of todd's decision and makes her own decision so the yeah. the show ends the the act one in the movie in, in in broadway terms ends with that here's the decision that's been made we're gonna you're gonna come into act two and see the all like the the ramifications of those decisions made mm-hmm. and that's usually gonna happen in the midpoint what happens in in the movie that doesn't happen until like an hour and five hour and 10 into the movie it's a little over a halfway mark and and that's what i think makes this work more as a film is because it doesn't it's not beholden to the structure of a broadway show is that it really cuts a lot and burton said they did this a lot they cut a lot of the secondary character songs
0: oh yeah and kind of uh,
1: and kind of stayed with the leads more
0: i actually listened to after i watched the movie earlier today i listened to the original broadway cast just to could be a little more informed the original broadway cast recording on spotify is an hour and 56 minutes long the last 10 minutes are like these yeah symphonic little the, things the, so the funny part is about the, an hour 45 yeah
1: yeah The, the of, f- of singing yeah the funny part is that the movie itself is an hour and 56 minutes long exactly with credits and everything
0: but yeah the uh, the soundtrack for the film Is about an hour and twelve minutes. Yeah, yeah. they cut at least thirty minutes of singing out of the musical. But
1: also, like, it's not like everyone's like, "Oh, they cut my favorite song," because that happens sometimes.
0: For like, well, oh, some people do (laughs) that. That's that's what I needed. Like, man, I need to tell you, the musical theater crowd, a lot of them were upset. Really, a lot of them were insanely upset. The one I heard, uh. The big one that I heard was cutting
1: the Kiss Me song.
0: The Greek, no, cutting the Greek Greek chorus. chorus. All right,
1: let's go. We'll dive into that now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's not really favorite scenes, but I I, want to discuss this as a movie musical, so we we can do it now.
0: Yeah. So, and and I think this is this this goes into framing it as a film as opposed to framing it as stage. This ties directly into the intimacy. Yes. uh, The film film is done intimately, right? In close up. The stage musical has a chorus like a lot of musicals do. Mm -hmm. The people of London are a character. Yeah. And they are framing the story. The, the musical, the stage musical starts with the ballad of Sweeney Todd attend the tale of Sweeney Todd during which they tell you what is happening. So you get rid of the Greek chorus because you don't need it, yeah. I think Tim Burton said something like, I "Cut the Greek chorus." Because why tell them to attend the tale when I can when just, you show, them can the just show them the show, tale? Show yes. them the tale, Yeah, exactly. And that's and
1: that's the idea. So that's why I want. I said mentioned earlier about perspective of how like when I look at certain musicals, I'm like, okay, how do you adapt that for a movie? Because it's like, say, example is in the Heights recently, where mm-hmm. that's 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 the most relevant one. But like it it it, it ha- it's very much built in of like. Uh, Usnavi is talking to the audience a lot of the time. It's the opening of In the Heights. And a lot of musicals will have mm-hmm. that opening number that establishes the world. And And The Ballad of Sweeney Todd establishes that world uh, mm-hmm. uh, of of the tone of Sweeney Todd. So In the Heights does a very similar thing. In the show, Usnavi's talking to the audience about, let me show you my, my neighborhood of Washington Heights. Well, they can't do that in a movie. So they have to create an audience for for the character to talk to because it's so inherently in the musical, you have to have that song. Attend the tale or ballad of Sweeney Todd and the chorus smartly, you just go, Oh, we could just lift these out, and we're not really gonna miss them in terms of a visual story. So that's 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 gone.
2: Attend the tale of Sweeney Todd. Attend the tale of Sweeney Todd! He served the dark and eventual gods. served the dark and eventual god! What happened then? Well that's the play, and he wouldn't want us to give it away. Not sweetie. Not sweety talk. Sweet.
1: I wanna go off you're talking about intimacy, like the intimate kind of nature of a film. An example mm-hmm. of that is Wait. Either Wait or um, the other song that she sings to Toby.
0: No one's going to harm you. No one's
1: going to harm you.
0: Which is mostly his song. Mostly his song. She does have a a little bit. There's a lot of intimacy between the two. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And she has a a line in there.
1: Exactly. So what I'm saying is that those are played, like I think Wait, if I'm not mistaken, is, is played a little bit larger on stage when weight in this movie is much more intimate and much more subtle.
2: Easy now, hush, love, hush. Don't distress yourself, what's your rush? Keep your thoughts nice and lush, white. Hush, love, hush. Think it through. Once it bubbles
1: i want to run through a few scenes that we like here because i know we we've we've discussed the kind of like musical <laughs> structure and all that so i want to get back to favorite scenes yeah. um i love the pirelli reveal in the barbershop sasha bear cohen going the over the top pirelli uh, on the contest but the, the reveal when he goes up to the barbershop and he's just like no i'm actually this guy instead
0: it's just david Bankins, yeah yeah whatever it's it's it
1: it ends up going like from like a a, a very aristocrat type accent a very uh, i guess a a foreign accent and it's like
0: faux italian Italian. he's supposed to be italian but uh,
1: and and then he ends up being like no i'm actually Cockney near what i he ends up like it's like oh i used to be a used to be a little boy who i used to
0: be a boy swept for you yeah yeah
1: yeah. but like it's a great reveal because it's cohen because i'm just like oh this makes sense He's a con man. It's just a wonderful movie. He's like, oh no, that's not that's my stage name. Um yeah. and I think that scene's great. I think him and Depp are great in that moment, but Depp doesn't say much because Depp's, again, Depp's being tested or Todd is being tested now. Will Pirelli get in my way to my ultimate goal? And that's yeah. what that's what the killing happens. The killing is is essentially made, is done because Pirelli is standing in his way. A great revenge tale is when the protagonist... Vision is cloudy because of their, of uh, their obsession with revenge. Is that everything else is ignored? So what I always found found just very, I think, uh, very brilliant in how it's done. This is in the Sondheim musical, and then also in the movie, is that Sweeney's character has everything he wants in the final fifteen minutes. His wife is there, and she recognizes him, and his daughter is in the same room, uh, hiding. Could easily they could easily figure out you're my daughter. Um, mm-hmm. But when he hears the judge's voice, he quickly kills his wife to dispose of her, so she so so he uh, will um, so the judge won't whom, see her in there,
0: whom he doesn't know. Who he doesn't know. But
1: it ends it ends with her saying, "Hey, don't I know? Don't you I missed know her. you missed her?" And then after he kills the judge, which I love. So another scene I love is him killing the judge. Um, that
0: that scene, I do. Yeah. I, I agree, uh, especially Alan Brickman. Yeah. Uh, I think that both of them played off of each other really well, yeah. especially in that moment.
1: I think but, their their scenes together are great. That moment is great because it, it, it's finally building to that moment of like, I'm getting my revenge and you're going to know who did it to you and you're going to know what you did to me is why I'm doing this.
2: Pretty women, pretty women are a wonder. Pretty women, what you Blowing out, blowing out, candles, candles, up, blowing out there, candles or coming out there And then they leave, even when they leave you and vanish They, they somehow can still remain there with you How ah. oh, seldom it is one meets a fellow spirit So years no doubt have changed me, sir. But then I suppose the face of a barber, the face of a prisoner, in the dog is not particularly memorable. Benjamin Barker Benjamin Barker
1: So after that's over with, after the judge is killed, he hears the noise in the cupboard or in, in this trunk, and it's 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 his daughter Joanna, but she's she looks like a boy. She's dressed up like a boy in disguise, so he doesn't recognize her. He doesn't know her, and the first and when he's he's about to kill her as well. And I don't know if this is in the musical or not, but it is the, the line when he goes, "Forget my face." Oh, I don't, well, I don't know. If the, I know I know that part of when he's. I, I thought she's she just gets away from him in the musical.
0: I think maybe she just escapes. Yeah, I think yeah. she just escapes. I don't, but that might also depend on who's doing the stage musical, to be honest.
1: But what I like in this moment is the he's literally telling her, and if you just, I guess, the subtext of this, but he's not knowing, he's already saying, "Forget who I am, forget mm-hmm. my face, do not remember me." And so yeah. he's basically saying, forget your father. You'll never like just, ne- it's, that's kind of the underlying of that. And so it's a great yeah. moment and he lets her off and she goes. Um, but yeah, that kind of, the whole like, kind of final sequence to me really works in, in those moments with the killing of the judge, with the revenge tale plot, the reveal when he actually sees that it's his wife that he killed. And, mm-hmm. and, and the res- realization happens that he had it all, but was so uh obsessed with revenge another scene i like that we didn't discuss it's a little priest like a little priest i think is a fun duet with them
0: it is the punniest song in perhaps all of musical theater and good grief the stage musical they chopped, version they
1: chopped the version down they the movie cut
0: yeah cut it down so much because the stage musical version is seven Minutes and fifteen seconds. I had to
1: cut down two minutes of it.
0: There were so many more puns in the stage there musical was, there version. Was, there was, like yeah. it's insane. But uh, things need to be cut, as yeah. we said before. But it's still a good moment between the two of them hatching this little screwy plot. Yeah. Like like they are both messed up people. Yeah. <laughs> and and, uh, and I, the thing is too, like, the the
1: musical, the original musical, I think has more comedy in it. It's a dark twisted comedy, but this movie still has a lot of dark humor in it. It's yeah. mostly done visually though. That's the thing. I want to yeah. keep harping on that, like the importance of tackling a musical for film, but the visuals I think of it's, it's the Alan Rickman sentencing the child to, to death by hanging. And it just cuts to the, this little kid who's just, just sitting there. Soft. Yeah. But it's Alan Rickman being like, may God have mercy on your soul. Like it's, it's like a, a nine year old boy. Um, But that visual, I think even in Joanna Reprise a little bit where it's like it's a very like sentimental and like endearing song in a way of like him dreaming of his daughter and and all that. And then Anthony dreaming of of his love of Joanna. But Mm -hmm. but Todd is singing about like dreaming of his daughter that he doesn't know and kind of imagining her. Mm -hmm. But then it's paired with him killing all these men very over the top with with blood spraying everywhere spurting everywhere and, and he's just casual about casually it. doing it but it's like and the song's just so like not romantic but it's very like loving in a way and then it's just like oh yeah i'm killing all these guys just just for it
2: and if i never hear your voice my turtle dove my dear i still have reason to rejoice the way ahead is clear joanna When I'm blind with what I can't forget It's always morning in my mind My little lamb, my pet Joanna You stay Joanna
1: Any other favorite scenes you
0: want to bring up real quick before I move on? I, I, I honestly just, I like this movie. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, I really do. It's it's hard for me to say like, ah oh, that's my favorite because, because of how Sondheim works, mm-hmm. where it all builds on, everything is built on everything, you know. But I will say there is a shot, the last shot of the film, essentially, basically the last shot when uh, Toby kills todd yeah i will say also the cinematography for the movie is actually like i think people might dismiss it because it's tim burton of course it's going to be dark and then they think it's different it's different it's different It's, it's very it is different and i think it plays really well with shadows and things like that like i honestly do think the cinematography is pretty good but that moment that shot where you see toby he looks a little bit like sweeney he has under end. his yeah. eyes at yeah. the very end when he makes that kill, he has under his eyes the eye shadow mm-hmm. and he has the sort of dark crazed stony look yeah. that Todd often had, which shows there might be a cyclical nature to it, you know, or 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 if not a cyclical nature, then one of the themes I think that the movie covers is how innocence is destroyed. The mu- musical and the movie. How innocence is so easily how how fragile it yeah. is. Um, the m- movie backs off of one instance of it. Uh, in the stage musical, Joanna does kill somebody. Asylum runner, Mister Fog. I think. Yeah,
1: it's it's a good point. It's it's. I don't know what who made that choice, but like it, it keeps those two characters kind of pure.
0: But in the stage musical, her innocence is shattered, not just because of that, but also because I think in the musical, she stays in the asylum like the movie doesn't really touch on it. It, It's it montages. You you don't really get a good sense of how much time has passed. But in the stage musical, I believe she has a line in one of the the montage songs uh, that references another song that got cut from the movie but it seems to suggest she's been there for a while and it's taking a toll on her. Yeah. Uh, which is probably why she kills the guy. (laughs) So there is a, there's a theme of lost innocence from pretty much everybody in this. And Toby, uh, in that in that moment in the movie
1: yeah and la- last thing with the toby stuff because i think in the musical he's he's like muttering and saying words
0: in, well that's the one of the big changes they made to the character is in in the original musical he is a t- older teenager slash young adult with who is mentally challenged or or yeah uh, i don't know what the the actual phrasing they used in the casting of the movie but he is he is Not all there, uh, for there may be several reasons, including his upbringing, which was not great, as he mentions in character in the film. Uh, But in the stage musical, he's singing children's rhymes to himself. They add more ambiguity to it Mm -hmm.
1: because it makes it feel like, and this is kind of a question I might have later, is like, it makes you wonder, does Todd know he's going to kill him? And does he let him kill him?
0: Yeah, I think that that is a, a legitimate question to ask. Yeah. and I think that
1: let's hold it. Let's hold it. I'll, I'll bring it up yeah. again. We'll hold it. But yeah, it's a good one. It, it's I, I think I think visually again it, it makes Burton makes this movie, this story a movie and not just a pure like onstage musical.
2: So is you, Benjamin Bog. Where is Lucy? Where is my wife? Poisoned herself. Arsenic from the apothecary around the corner. Tried to stop her, but she wouldn't listen to me. And he's got your daughter. Hey. Judge Turpin. Adopted her. Like his own. Fifteen years. Sweating and living hell on a false charge. Fifteen years dreaming I might come home to a wife and child. Well, I can't say the years have been particularly kind to you, Mr. Barker. No. Not Barker. That man is dead. It's Todd now Sweeney Todd. And he will have his revenge
1: so moving on on set life the film began shooting on february 5th 2007 at pinewood studios in london burton chose to film in london because he stayed he felt at home there ever since making the 1989 film batman burton initially wanted to shoot the majority of the film on green screens but he decided to build practical sets because he thought it would help the actors get into the right musical mindset Burton asked production designer Dante Ferretti not to just build Victorian London, but to build horror movie London. So Ferretti built a much more sinister and darker look to London because of that. Burton insisted that the film be incredibly bloody because he said that many of the productions that he had seen had held held back on the blood of the film. And that took away from the emotional impact of the story. They wanted to essentially show it in a very over-the-top way with blood spraying everywhere. I think Burton said that uh, Todd is a very quiet character with with, with all this kind of pent-up uh, aggression or vengeance or whatever. And the blood, the the cutting of, of the throats is his release is what it is. So the blood was actually orange on set so that it would render correctly on the desaturated film stock they were using. So they used color grading to bring the red out crew members had to wear garbage bags so they would not be covered in fake blood um also during filming Helena Bohm Carter was actually pregnant with her second child with Tim, for Tim Burton so they had they did their best to hide it in the scenes because they were shooting the film out of sequence Carter says you can kind of tell when she's like when she's beginning to show and when she's not beginning to show
0: you say that but uh I had no idea. Yeah. I never yeah. noticed. Yeah. They didn't do the old trick where she was like, "Oh, I ate so much food, I have a food." Yeah, baby. no, they, they, yeah, <laughs> they, they,
1: they definitely hide it very well. She, I remember that being part of the press where she was talking about how she was pregnant at the time when she was like doing like the awards circuit and trying to get nominations. Um, there was a little bit of the break in the film because Depp's daughter Lily Rose became incredibly ill and had to go to the hospital for a few weeks, so Depp had to take time off from the film. Apparently. Because of this, Burton decided to cut the film's original opening, which was the song, The Ballad of Swingy Swingy Todd. This sequence was to include an almost Greek-like chorus, as we said, that told the story of Todd that was going to appear throughout the film. One of Burton's frequent collaborators, Christopher Lee, was one of the chorus members, and and he said they had recorded all the music for the chorus, but they never filmed the sequence.
0: Wait, Christopher Lee, like the Christopher Lee? Like Christopher Lee... like Count Dracula? Dracula,
1: yes. Whoa, he was one of the yeah, he was one of the chorus members. Oh, okay.
0: Oh, that would have been interesting. Yeah, it was,
1: He was one of the chorus members. I think one of the other guys that was a chorus member is like has a cameo in the Epiphany scene as one of the people that Depp like points to and says something to. Uh, so huh. Burton tried to shoot scenes without Depp for those ten days, which I feel like is probably very difficult because Depp is in almost all of them. Mm-hmm. Three studios had to fund the film because they were worried. It wouldn't do well since it was a, vi- a violent horror film and a musical, and there wasn't much faith in any of those type of genres uh, at that time, mm-hmm. especially a radar musical of that nature. So it was DreamWorks, Warner Brothers, and Paramount that essentially funded the $50 million budget of the film. The film would eventually commence on May 11th, 2007, after about three months of filming so aftermath the film be released on december 21st 2007 just in time for christmas a wonderful christmas film uh sweeney ty was met with with, with critical praise and the film currently stands at 86 percent on rotten tomatoes from critics i think 81 for audiences because it did still did very well with audiences still
0: but it's a, it's at about like a 7.7 score from critics right like a the score that they give, i think so yes. i think something like that yeah
1: Uh, The film would gross $151 million worldwide against a $50 million budget, which is still quite a bit for a bloody rated r horror musical. Uh, The film would go on to receive four Golden Globe nominations, winning two, one for Depth's Performance and another for Best Musical or Comedy. Uh, I actually remember watching this live because it was the writer's strike of 07-08, so they didn't actually Um, hold an award show. They were they announced the winners on like Entertainment Tonight or something because <laughs> they couldn't hold the globes because there were no writers to write the show. Um, but they did, however, have the Academy Awards that year, and Sweeney Todd would be would only receive three nominations for Best Costume Design, Best Art Direction, and Best Actor for Johnny Depp. The film would take home an Oscar for Best Art Direction and deservedly so. In 2008, mm-hmm. a film, a year after the film's released, Empire magazine. British, it's a british magazine that does a lot of like mm-hmm. empire 500 name the film the 400th 490th 490th greatest film of all time uh i'm not sure if that still holds today, day uh but i do uh, i do feel even though not within some musical theater crowds i do feel that this mu- this movie has a sneaky cult following um Around it, yeah. from not the funny part is from non-musical fans, and some of the critics like, oh, I don't know if anyone's going to like this if they're not a musical fan. But I think it's the opposite.
0: <laughs> yeah, like like I've brought up before, because Sondheim is so revered as a uh, stage composer, the musical theater lovers have strong opinions, and they have that about every musical. They're going to have that yeah. about every single musical that turns into a movie. Yep. Uh, but you know, and strong opinions are where angry fans are born. Uh, so I think the non-musical fans tend to like it more because I suspect it's partly because one of the reasons people don't like movie musicals—it's not happy—is doesn't happen in this movie. <laughs> yeah, that like the the big the big main reasons, and you know what? To to bring up someone else that doesn't like movie musicals which you mentioned steven sondheim yeah doesn't like movie musicals and i found these quotes because i wanted to see what his opinion on the movie was i saw that uh, he actually seemed to like it despite all the cuts in his
1: book because i was gonna say it's like in his 2010 book he's there's been a few more adaptations in his 2010 book finishing the hat sondheim states this is the only adaptation of one of his works for the screen which he approves of
0: yeah yeah and which is Again, like I said, his opinion of this movie is greatly contrasting the opinions of a lot of people who like Sondheim, but uh, Sondheim says, I've always been a movie buff, but the one form of movie that I've never particularly enjoyed was the movie musical. It takes three or four minutes to sing a song, and on stage that works because it's part of the texture of the story, but on film, you're just trying to waste time. And it's interesting because he goes after West Side Story. (laughs) It says... He says, take tonight in West Side Story. There's a close-up of him and a close-up of her and then a two-shot and then a shot of the fire escape. The director must go crazy trying to figure out what am I going to do for four minutes while they sing tonight, 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 tonight. As far as I'm concerned, that's really boring. (laughs) And I get it. I 100% understand what he's saying. I like movie musicals. I'm, I'm different from Sondheim in that respect where... I will say I like a lot of movie musicals. I dislike a lot of movie musicals. And you like you like that, the idea of movie musicals. <laughs> I love the idea of movie musicals. Some most of the time I don't like a movie musical because I don't like the composer. I, I'm not fond of the music mm-hmm. is the big thing. But I think that n- non fans of movie musicals, th- like we've said, this one was shot intimately. This was not shot as a stage production yeah and i think that this one this and and we can say more later about it but this one kind of hits its mark as movie that is musical yeah better than a lot of bigger more popular ones yeah well
1: let's go into that so because the next question is what worked about this movie
0: okay yeah uh that (laughs) so what worked about the movie well, what worked about the movie is a lot. Yeah, Lots of things worked about the movie. Um, I will say that at the I think one of the big things that works about the movie is what Sondheim did. Sondheim's original score and stuff works about the movie. And this is where uh, there's it's weird because I'm pretty sure this started popping up on my feed you know, on YouTube well before we you even said, hey, do you want to record them. A- Episode about movie musicals. But there was a video that kept popping up on my YouTube homepage called How the Music Spoils yeah, yeah. sideways guy. And why that's a good thing. Yes, yeah, yeah, sideways. sideways. Yeah, yeah. I want to I want to call him out. I'm guessing you've seen the video, right? I have, yes, I have. Uh, it's a great video that talks about the just insane amount of detail, obsessive detail, which is, you know, thematic to the story that Sondheim put into it where it's affecting your subconscious, even if you're not big into musical theory and things like that, where the musical does not necessarily, and this is true of a lot of Sondheim, it doesn't necessarily have melodies that stick in your head that are pop melodies that, that you're which is like, what gonna, Thomas doesn't like. Yeah. Which, which I'm going to, I was going to bring that, I'm going to bring that up again, but, but uh, in this one, if there's a lot of repetition of themes motifs the, yeah, yeah. yeah light motifs but also just the fact that the ds irae which watch the watch the video for better explanation but it's like essentially a musical representation of death that's been around yeah. since the the ds has been around since the 13th century but the idea that it's been tied directly to death has been around since uh berlioz yeah in the 1800s but um yeah, yeah. Ba- basically yeah. a
1: lot of co- a lot of composers and movies also use this consistently i think the big one he doesn't show it in the movie but the big in the, in the video but the big one that i think of when he plays it is it's the opening of the shining i believe is what it is Exactly. that that that's that, that that music yeah but he
0: he shows the montage like John Williams used it in Star Wars when Baru and uh, uh, Uncle Ben and uh, or Uncle uh, Owen and, and Aunt Baru yeah, are yeah. dead. Uh, the Lion King plays a little bit of it when Muf after Mufasa's death, uh, yeah, yeah. when Simba's on the run and things like that. Like it gets used a lot it's, it's subconsciously and, there. Yeah, yeah, and I think Tim Burton, to his credit, recognized and and also to his credit, worked with Sondheim throughout like they worked together the entire time like they were constantly sending him Sondheim like hey we're gonna cut this are you okay with that and Sondheim's like yes 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 apparently said no once was like you can't cut that because it gets rid of the entire musical structure of what we're going for What was the thing that he? He didn't say actually. Like he literally, he literally says there's just one little passage in the play that we cut a section out of for the movie, and there was one passage that Tim really wanted to cut, and I said it can't be cut because that's what establishes the entire musical structure of the piece. Interesting. But I think that's again to Tim's credit. Like he went to Sondheim and was like, "Yeah," and that's why I think Sondheim. That's what works for me is Sondheim is very deliberate in making the music a character
1: i agree with all that i just want, I want to kind of keep moving uh yeah. quickly so that worked i let I, I me mean, i love the casting most for the most part
0: um oh, someone you didn't love
1: well i don't know if it's them i think it's i'll, I'll get into that later <laughs> in the next part of what did did anything not work yeah i think the casting's great i think Absolutely. uh production design's amazing i think cinematography's great visually i think it's great music's great all all that's i, th- I think technically it's a really uh great film the way again the, tr- the changes they made from the Broadway version to this, I think really work for a movie, for a story that's being made into a film. That's the key. It's like, it doesn't have to be the same as the musical. And that's what I think Sondheim and Burton really fighting for.
0: Okay. Did anything not work for me personally? That's, I I don't think so. I, there are a few moments where I'm like, "Eh." the opening sequence and the transition sequence, uh, the the CGI. they do kind
1: of they do kind of date the movie a tad bit. They, they well, do. it's
0: also just a little jarring because it doesn't yeah, really happen anywhere else in the movie. It, yeah, it, that, that's they are kind of discongruous to the rest of the movie, but ultimately it's fine. Uh, and 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 I kind of understand what the transition sequence was trying to do, and it is a piece of music from from the original. Uh, I I do want to say one th- another thing that did work. <laughs> Just, I know I'm going back a little bit, but they expanded yeah. the orchestration for the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, as much as we talked about the movie being more intimate, the movie experience as a sound experience became bigger. bigger because the original orchestra was, like, 20-something instruments, and then this one was, like, 70-something. Like, they, they like, tripled it.
1: And I think they used the same guy who did the orchestration for the first one. Yeah. for the the Broadway show for this. Yeah. um,
0: But... Yeah, back to what didn't work. <laughs> the
1: thing, the thing that I think bothers—not bothers, bothers me—but I, when I get to this, their sections in the movie, I don't love the Joanna and Anthony storyline.
0: It's it's a weird
1: one, and it might be the casting that does it for me because it's like these two people, Jamie Campbell Bower didn't do a lot he did twilight and he's in like he's young Grindelwald in harry potter and then he basically plays the inner version of johnny depp um
0: yeah basically everyone in this is in harry potter now
1: yeah that was the other thing um so he plays so like, he didn't do a lot so i wonder like if you cast two people who were like a little more recognizable would i care more about that storyline i know that's terrible for me to I... say but i don't love their, their stuff isn't that memorable to me well, is the thing.
0: I, I would say that part of why it's not memorable is because those two got m- tons of stuff cut.
1: They did get cut. They, they get, get, get tons of, stuff,
0: of cut. stuff cut. But I think that it makes sense and it works insofar as their little romance is silly and it's very Romeo and Juliet. Like, ah, we saw each other. Uh yeah, we yeah, like yeah. each other. There is more to it with... with Like, Joanna is there to show how weird and awful judge Turpin is. And, and Anthony is there to screw things up for (laughs) Sweeney, but also they both do help carry the plot. And I think it is important that, that they have a moment where again, they are the two, they are the only two characters who get out of this unbloodied. And I think that putting them together is 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 good and i actually disagree with the we need bigger names um and i i mean i'll talk about it more when we talk about alternate casting but i don't need big names in music in movie musicals if they can do the part and i will say that joanna's part is hard joanna's (laughs) joanna's song is hard i have friends who have done that song that's not a vocally easy song, Greenfinch Green, and Green Linnet Finch Bird. Bird. Yeah. That sits pretty high in the register. Uh, it's not an easy one to do. Uh, Antony's, especially with the cuts they made. Yeah, it's easier. Uh, I can I can do that. I, I I'm a pretty good singer. I'm not gonna say that I can go to Broadway necessarily. I, I, but I think I could do it. I think I can do it. It's I not the it. hardest song. Let's I'm be kidding. real. I'm joking. <laughs> okay. Well, that's fine. So, so I didn't mind that, but...
1: Okay. You're allowed. Well, I, 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 you I just I just remember, I think I went to the bathroom during Green Adventure *Bird* <laughs> when I saw it in theaters at 16. I was like, eh, I'm okay. I'm going to go to the bathroom real quick. I like it more. I will say I like it more than what I originally did when I was 16, because not all my not all my thoughts when I was 16 have stayed the same. Um, Shocking. So, so alternate universe cast, so people who were almost in this movie or were considered for this movie.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, so I have... There are people from Mrs. Lovett, Joanna, and Sweeney Todd. Okay. For Mrs. Lovett, apparently, these five names were at one point considered for Mrs. Lovett at some point in the prep in the development of this
0: movie.
1: Mm-hmm. Amelda Stanton from uh, uh Professor Umbridge uh and and uh Harry Potter and the Order of Phoenix. Okay. I think she later she later did it, uh did a version on of stage. it on, on stage. Mm-hmm. Uh burnett Peters. Uh,
0: yeah. That's your go to.
1: Tony Collette. Okay, okay. Okay. Uh Nicole Kidman. All right. Kate Winslet.
0: I'm fine with those. I don't know. I've never heard Tony Collette or Kate Winslet sing. Uh yeah, Kate Winslet sang Or um, or Umbridge. I haven't heard her sing, but you said she went and did it. She later, did it.
1: So. Yeah, yeah. And and I think Kate Winslet had sung in a movie called I think romance and cigarettes or or cigarettes and oh give me a second i'm gonna get this right maybe 200 cigarettes
0: that's a lot of cigarettes
1: i know romance and cigarettes that yeah mm-hmm. that was a musical okay romance and cigarettes okay that two i think two is, is a different one so those are the people okay so joanna mm-hmm. there's a person that uh person that burton was looking at but he wanted to cast an unknown he didn't want to star in the role of joanna to go with what we just said uh Anne hathaway
0: <laughs> as joanna she is far less of an unknown than, than the now, granted, girl that not, they got.
1: Not as, I means st- she still was known at this point in time. It was a year. At, this is the year after devil was Prada. So that's where she's really picking up steam. It's a year after devil was Prada. I, I,
0: Cause this is, um, Jane Weisner. Weisner. yes, uh, Played her. And this was literally her first movie. Yes. And as she, was
1: Jane. As was the guy, the guy who played Anthony. Yeah. Uh, Anthony. Uh, Jamie Campbell Bauer. Uh, so it's Todd, these two people were talked about when Sam Mendes was on was on
0: board. Do you know who they are? No, no idea. Uh, if I had to guess. Yeah, guess two people. 2007 singers? Ewan McGregor. We're going to throw no, it in No, not Ewan McGregor.
1: Not Ewan McGregor. Remember when I said uh, there were some lay Ms. connections in this, in this thing? Oh,
0: you're going to say Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman's one of them. Yeah. And? and Which is interesting. And? I swear to god if it's Russell Crowe I'm a thro- Russell Crow. Oh my god. <laughs> I like Lame is the movie uh-huh. which we can talk about in a second. We'll have to. <laughs> Russell Crowe can't sing these songs. <laughs> he can't do it. <laughs> like I don't know. I I I again Johnny Depp is not a singer necessarily and he did well with this. It's not as vocally demanding perhaps. But oh, why? Why is Russell being thrown around? With why is his name?
1: He was big at this point, man. He was big. 07. I know. This, this is uh, this is hot streak in the 2000s. I guess
0: I guess you mentioned too that the screenwriter had just done Gladiator. Gladiator yes. So I mean, Crows on a hot
1: streak in the two thousands. It's like Gladiator, Gladiator Beautiful Mind, Beautiful Mind. It's American Gangster. Kind of ends it in oh seven. Mastering Commander, Master Commander, masterpiece of a movie right there. Uh, so, yeah, those are the people that were possibly up for it. Now, film facts. I got a few of these. I said the one about Sondheim saying it was the one he loved. Mm-hmm. Jai Depp, only American in the cast. Yeah. The,
0: re- the rest are all British or English. Which, I mean, they, it does take place there. so It does. <laughs> uh, for his
1: audition, Sasha Baron Cohen, I don't know if he sang the entire musical or at least six of the songs. Mm-hmm. A Fiddler on the Roof for director Tim Burton because he didn't have any of the songs mem- m- memorized for Sweeney Todd. So he brought like a, and sang them all, and they're just like, "Wow, we didn't know he was that good."
0: <laughs> um, didn't didn't know Borat
1: could sing. Yeah, Palumbo Carter learned or or learned baking uh, for this movie, and she rehearsed her songs while baking to get the rhythm of the music and the, and kind of all the 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 business that she the was movement. doing, the movement, okay. everything down pat. Uh, okay. Side thing on the musical. something I always talk about and I want to bring up. Uh, Sondheim Kretz, a, a little obscure film called Hangover Square, a movie I really like, uh, as a major influence on the score for Sweeney Todd. Um, came out in the 1940s. The score was done by Bernard Herrmann, who did like Hitchcock movies and and Kane. It's a very dark, macabre. I think the, the main song that was his big influence was Concerto Macabre. Is what it was called, uh, in the movie, and it's about this composer, who uh, kind of has like blackouts, and he ends up killing people in Victorian era London. So, Ooh, fun. big big influence <laughs> on talk. Go check it out if you can find it. It's a it's a little slow at points, but the last man, the last 20, 20 minutes of that movie, not much else like it, especially for that time period. And it's the the score is amazing. But apparently, Sondheim had heard it when he was uh a kid growing up and he heard that he th- heard that musical all right story questions what happens to joanna and anthony do they last hmm it'd be terrible if they didn't last <laughs> it'd be like you know what they like don't really look, love if you. we're
0: if we're realistic and no okay if we're going to be realistic i don't know that they last uh like if we if we put if we take this fantastical thing and put it into how reality works, <laughs> she is going to have PTSD. Yeah, a lot of
1: traumatic tra- trauma she, there.
0: She was thrown into an asylum during a time when asylums were the yeah. worst. Yeah like, problem, yeah, like Nurse Ratchet w- would have taken notes on how to be awful. Uh, asylums were horrible mm-hmm. at this time. She had to live through a lot of that. And she watched a man just brutally murder another man, specifically right in front the, of her. the
1: specific, specifically someone she knew. You know she yeah. might not like, but she, she knew him.
0: Yeah, she might have been a, appreciated the death, but also it's still traumatic to see someone you know get brutally slaughtered and then get threatened to be killed yourself. Yeah, and I think that that's not the best. Mental space for a relationship, to be in, for a relationship, <laughs> for a relationship with a guy whose entire thing was, "I saw you outside my window and thought you're cute." Yeah, you're not this old jag that's trapped me inside of a house. Mm-hmm. If we're realistic, it probably doesn't work within the within the framing of "It's a Fantastical Music." Of course, it works again. They are the two innocent characters. Fair. They escape. All right.
1: Uh, does Sweeney know Toby is behind him? And if he does, does he let him kill him?
0: I don't think when I first saw the movie, I think my interpretation was no. When I watched it yesterday, I think yes. Yeah. Because there is this deliberate long pause and something happens on Todd's face. Yeah. There's some change just... And again, this is the beauty of intimate movie mm-hmm. versus stage. There is just a very small moment where something changes for Todd. And I think that's where he says, ah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's an acceptance. Because well, the thing is, too, it's like he's looking down. And then all of a sudden, I think when he realized that he, he literally like, sh- like goes up enough where his neck is shown where it's an easier cut. Yeah. If he wants to. And then Toby does, it. which
0: part of that might've just been a, nece- a necessary um, blocking, you know, cause you gotta have your throat available for the, no, I think that's,
1: uh, yeah, but I think character wise, that, that's a character thing. That's a character. I do.
0: Th- I do think that it works absolutely as a character thing. And I'm fine with saying, yeah, no, he, he knew. Yeah.
1: I think, I think he knows, or he does, he, he realizes someone's behind him and is going to make a move, but then that happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. it's one of the two and then my my final question what happens to toby do you take over the barbershop
0: <laughs> <laughs> nah well because he he knows nothing about the barbershop like he he was never up there yeah um
1: oh, he keeps making pies i
0: think that 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 toby becomes just he like i said before where i where he it, it could be a cycle a cyclical thing yeah i think that he's broken now he grows up to be Jack the Ripper. I gotcha. Well, I, w- I actually was going to avoid saying Jack the Ripper. Cause I didn't know if you wanted me to bring up Jack the Ripper, but yeah, <laughs> like at the very least, I think he becomes a serial killer. Yeah. I, think, yeah. I don't, I don't disagree like, with that. He, he, he's a broken kid who he's like nine and he's murdered someone, you know, yeah. and has committed cannibalism. Well, yeah. Yeah.
1: He's seen, well, he's seen bodies also too. Like he's seen, again, talk about trauma. He's mm-hmm. seen two bodies like just float, come down from the, from that top. And just like, essentially. And has
0: eaten human flesh against his knowledge. Yeah. Like, Ooh.
1: <laughs> yeah. That Big would, that, that would freak me out too. I don't say I would be a serial killer, but I've been there. Uh, anyway, awards, uh, the Paul mm-hmm. Williams music award, favorite song on the film.
0: Go ahead and say it. As we said, uh, Epiphany, but specifically, I think pretty women into Epiphany. I do. If, if I was to pick a number two, pretty women absolutely i i love not only the juxtaposition with epiphany but also i just love the interplay between him and the judge and yeah i think him him... savoring and the way that tim burton shot again this is this is uh not the music itself but the way i will say the way tim burton shot that and Uh and played with the anticipation of it was very good Mm -hmm. as well the way it was shot
1: all right i'll go with that epiphany well epiphany pretty woman pretty women uh i like epiphany but I, I pretty women is also like in my top 3. Mm-hmm. I think it's epiphany, pretty women and a little priest
0: for me. Those are kind of the three. I, th- I think my third one would be Joanna, but the second, the reprise, uh, the, the reprise. reprise. The pre- uh, like i do love Joanna, just the fir- the original, but the reprise, the reprise like better. you had talked about before there is a fun juxtaposition because Todd is being thrown in. Yeah. And i i like i like that. It's fun.
2: There's a hole in the world like a great black pit, and it's filled with people who are filled with shit, and the vermin of the world inhabit it. But not for long. They all deserve to die. Tell you why, Mrs. Lovett. Tell you why because in all of the whole human race mrs lovett there are two kinds of men and only two there's so the one staying put in his proper place and the one with his foot in the other one's face look at me mrs lovett look at you that we all deserve to die even you mrs lovett steve i so beatrice
1: straight award actor action with scenes that kills it uh this is like someone who's like in like less than like four scenes like like less than 10 minutes. Yeah.
0: So this one and the next award, these are both I feel like for this movie because it is such a small cast. It's very similar.
1: <laughs> I agree, but I think this is Sa- this is Sasha Baron Cohen for me.
0: Yeah, I think the idea of that kills it is Sasha Baron Cohen and I think part of the reason that he gets to go to that kills it is because that song is hard. <laughs> He hit that high note yeah. like that is a, a notoriously difficult high note to hit for for a male actor. Mm-hmm. It's or anyone <laughs> like, <laughs> and he and, and he is only in there for a very brief two moment, scenes, but basically. he is very impa- yeah. yeah, yeah, two scenes. Not even basically. It's just two scenes, and yeah, very impactful to the story. Very memorable. Very. One song nails the song. To shave the
2: face, to trim the beard, to make the bristle play like a whistle. This is from early
0: infancy, the talent give to me,
1: by god.
2: He take the scale, he take the brains. It take a will to take a dance. It take a piece. It takes a the winner is Todd.
1: All right. Uh, Annie Potts X Factor Awards supporting actor, actresses, most memorable.
0: This one I'm giving to Timothy Spall.
1: Interesting.
0: Okay, tell me why. Okay, uh, like because partly because supporting actor, I don't include Alan Rickman as a supporting actor.
1: See, no, I do, I favorite. do, I do.
0: Yeah, and, and 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 I recognize that's why I'm saying to me he's a main actor. I know he's limited because the 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 two core actors are Depp and Carter, but he is the primary antagonist and the focus of the the revenge. So to me, he he very much is a central thing, even though he isn't present physically. He is present plot-wise through the entire thing. He his presence is informs the entire story. But Timothy Spall, and, and, and like every time Timothy Spall shows up, I'm, it's he's as Beetle he's Beetle just Bamford. T- yeah. Beetle Bamford, yeah. Sorry, uh, every time P- Beetle Bamford shows up, he's just the slimiest, skeeziest most awful even in comparison to turpin yeah and it's just it's a very memorable to me like glad as always to oblige my friends and neighbors that scene in the it, like we mentioned yeah, pirelli. Before, pirelli. Yeah, 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 pirelli yeah like that moment is just like oh you little <laughs> like like spall i think spall very 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 infrequent through the movie still just kills it. And is it, and just the little moments that he's in there mm-hmm. are very memorable to me.
1: That's fair. I, I, I liked, I liked the argument for me. I'm going with Rickman, but we'll give it a co yeah. We'll give it co-supporting actor. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, I think Timothy Spall is a guy underutilized a lot. He's, he's like, he's mm-hmm. he, a lot of Mike Lee movies. He was very big at this point. I think because of uh Potter Um, he also did Enchanted the same year in 07 it was Enchanted Swingy Todd and uh, I think he briefly appears in Order of the Phoenix but he's in Potter around this time
2: I have news for you my friend in order to shield her from the evils of this world I have decided to marry my dear John oh sir happy news indeed strangely when I offered myself to her she showed a scent Reluctance.
1: Excuse me, my lord, may I request, my lord, permission,
2: my lord, to speak. Forgive me if I suggest, my lord, you're looking less than your best, my lord. There's powder upon your vest, my lord, and stubble upon your cheek. And ladies, my lord, are we Stubble, you say? time a little over-hasty
1: in the morning. Alright, Gene Hackman, MVP award, the person who carries the movie, director, actor, etc.
0: Sondheim, uh, like, I, I've, I've basically already made this argument, but the just amount of effort and thought put into the intricate, the levels of the music and the repetition of these themes and these motifs, uh, this movie doesn't work without that music i think tim burton amazing i think the cast amazing to me this is this is a really good musical movie there i i struggle to find a weak point but it can't happen without sondheim not just composing the original but also giving his approval on the cuts that are making because like i don't know what the one cut he said no to was but I can imagine that it would be a worse movie if it had been made. I really can because the movie works so well now. There's nothing that there's nothing to cut. Yeah. They've already cut a half hour.
1: Do you think it's when Todd is getting off the boat and it says madness motif area?
0: I I honestly have no idea. I have no clue what Burton would have wanted to cut because again, like I said, it's, it's very trimmed, but, but, but yeah, but I
1: feel like that's the moment where I think like, it's a side thing. It's very brief, but I think that that establishes his whole like his big mindset for the for the entire rest. Yeah, of them, and it ge- and
0: and it could be because like Sondheim says, it sets up a musical thing. It does the so. madness motif appearing later in Wait and later in I think it's Epiphany. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm not. I don't know for sure, but it could be that moment. Yeah, because it is. A, it is an odd little moment where he's like, and now I am walking and singing. And then to, I'm not talking. I'm
1: not singing. I'm not singing to anyone. Just to
0: myself. Yeah, but it is a, it is an important moment uh, yeah. because it set, it not only musically sets things up, but it also sets up the the epiphany later where he's like, screw it, kill them all.
1: Yeah, I'm fine with the Sondheim one. I'm gonna say Burton for me. Yeah. Because I think, it's Tim Burton. I think it's Tim Burton's last really good movie. I hate to say that. But I think it's his last really good movie, bordering on not, great. Not big on Big Eyes, huh? Haven't seen Big Eyes. That's wow. the <laughs> only film by him I haven't seen. Um, I think it's the last great film he did. I think it's also the darkest he had done. I think this movie screams Tim Burton. And I don't know who else you put in this movie that can make it this way. Mm. I think because he doesn't like musicals <laughs> is what makes this movie really not feel like any other movie musical. You there,
2: my friend. I'm your friend. Come, let me hold you. Hold you, hold you, hold you now, let me sigh. Hold your warm.
1: final questions if this film was remade or that this film was made in the late 70s or early 1980s like say like it was either made into a movie or maybe it's like we fast track a, a movie musical
0: right after this who do you cast god this is you know i'm not you know i'm not good
1: i have a cast if i you have wanna... some
0: okay and okay. i have some interesting
1: choices okay i want to hear yours i'm hear gonna yours. go ahead
0: with the cop out mrs lovett okay. angela lansbury okay yes cop out straight up she but but to be fair i get it though not only did she originate the role but she's also an accomplished film actor an academy award nominated actress she can sing she can act for movie as well as stage i think that she's absolutely i don't think that every stage actor can transition to film i think she can and has and is great so i think keeping her like, you're literally immediately casting the movie Keeper. This is where things get weird. <laughs> Sweeney Todd. Uh-huh. There are a couple of names. So, I, I will say that I pitched this to some friends because I was like, I'm bad at movies. And I don't, and I want to come back, I want to go back to what I said before about the unknowns. Yeah. My biggest thing when casting movie musicals, and it worked this time, even though it maybe shouldn't have they cast Johnny Depp and they cast down the bottom carter neither of whom were necessarily singers thank goodness they could pull it off uh-huh. but one of the most frustrating things for movie musicals for me is when they continue to cast star power that can't sing and y'all mentioned it in West Side Story too y'all brought up my fair lady and Audrey Hepburn mm-hmm. which caused a lot of to do because non film actress Julie Andrews who originated the role was yeah. there and she, as we learned immediately she could have done it. Um, but <laughs> Wanted it, it, to do it. Yeah, wanted to do it. But she gets dubbed over. Uh, Audrey Hepburn gets dubbed over. And West Side Story, several people get dubbed over. And this happens a lot. This isn't a new thing. This isn't Les Mis Russell Crowe. This isn't Phantom of the Opera Gerard Butler. This is a thing. We must cast star power. And I hate it. But <laughs> the premise of this exercise <laughs> <laughs> is think of stars so here are the weird things okay for sweeney todd either tim curry okay who can sing and who was a younger he was about in his 20s i think at the time okay or robin williams robin williams did popeye in 1980 81 somewhere in there i think, I think it's 80 yeah, yeah. robin williams we know can sing and one Hour Photo. I haven't seen the full movie, but in, I have seen Insomnia. <laughs> I have seen Insomnia, but I have also seen clips from One Hour Photo that that creep me out. He could,
1: he, he could be terrifying, and he that's the thing terrified.
0: is he is a good. He was a good actor, and could do the dramatic moments. He just had that long career of comedy and also a reputation for putting comedy interesting in page. his roles, like in Good Will Hunting. I think I, I would I would be interested to see them audition. That's the thing. that That's for me is like, these are the people I want to see audition. I don't know if I'm casting them because I need to know that they can do the singing. Yeah. But, so I've got those two as possible Sweeney choices. Judge Turpin, another weird choice, but Charles Grodin, <laughs> who okay. sang, he sang in The Great Muppet Caper in what is an actually really great duet with Kermit the Frog about how they are lusting over miss piggy it's an excellent song and he does very well and you don't expect him to be a singer you don't expect dad from beethoven singer but he he kills it and Uh, i I double checked he's not dubbed that's him singing that is the heartbreak kid singing for lucy minor role minor role but i was thinking that it could have been for joanna but it turns out she would have she was in her like 40s so I had to go with Lucy. I wanted Mia Farrow, I thought could be an interesting, because she sang in The okay. Last Unicorn. Okay. Um, so I know she can sing. Uh, so she could be in it. But for Anthony, if we're going uh-huh. with someone we've heard of, Alan Cumming was 18. Was he performing at that time? Absolutely. Musicals, uh, stage musicals. Okay, uh, okay, and he did. He he's he played the MC when Sam Mendes, whom we mentioned before, when Sam Mendes Cabaret. did Cabaret, uh, and I listened to him just before we started recording, just to make sure he had the right. And he can sing, and he's Scottish, so I'm assuming he's been forced to be able to put on an English accent, as most mm-hmm. Scottish actors in film have to. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think he would have been a young, a young enough fresh face and at the time fairly unknown which you know fits the criteria which is what you want which, is what, you which want. is what I wanted you know like yeah. I want someone who can sing more than I want a star
1: I like I like your Todd more than I like my Todd because my <laughs> Todd was kind of just a like pull of like who's hot at that moment and who who would I see doing like who's not a singer that would all of a sudden like I'm gonna try sing and that was De Niro
0: <laughs> whoa.
1: Yeah, my, but I'll, I'll tell you, I'll, I think you will, I did a Beatle and I did a Judge Turpin. All right. And I think you'll like both of these. Beetle Bamford, Bob Hoskins.
0: Ooh, I do love Bob Hoskins. <laughs> I think Bob Hoskins was somehow incredibly underrated as an actor. Yeah. That would have been interesting.
1: Yeah, and, he, and he's, he's popping he's around British. the 80s. Is he British? He's British. Yes, he's British. I always
0: forget that because literally the only movie I can think of him where he plays a Brit is hook so i always think of him as eddie valent you know yeah he
1: does a lot The early movies he did in the 80s were like the long good friday mona lisa like he's it's and he's like cold he's a cold guy yeah like very brutal like he's a gangster in long good friday and uh so bob hoskins for beetle judge turpin michael kane
0: yeah you know that's fine that's fine and i that seems to fit the age better yeah. Cuz uh, I
1: was, see I was going with a different muppets me. I was going with muppets Christmas carol.
0: Absolutely. from and, Michael came. And and that's a mo- he he kills the acting in that too. Uh so I think Sondheim would very much like him. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The other Mrs. Lovett I did, I did the De Niro and I was going to go with the a, a pairing that De Niro did with in a musical which I haven't seen but Liza Minnelli is Mrs. Lovett.
0: Uh uh I guess I mean I know she can sing and act but oh boy.
1: Oh, she's great in Cabaret. I don't know. That's also two very
0: short people. I just want to throw that out there. De Niro and don't.
1: I don't know know if she works in it because I think she's too much of a comedian. But also, if you're doing the whole 70s, 80s, like more more comedic Sweeney Todd, maybe. My pick for director.
0: Yeah. I forgot to bring that up. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, My pick for director, just to go with that, because they did New New York by Martin Scorsese. I would say Scorsese would direct this Oh. Or I'll give you two more picks because Scorsese is kind of the bat, the pick because it was the, it was the Manelli De Niro. And I was thinking like the Nero Scorsese collaboration, like the Depp Burton collaboration, of the course. two guys I would say directing this, I would say Bob Fosse, who was a director. Yeah. I love, uh, he never did horror, but to go in the horror, I would say John Carpenter because Carpenter did horror at this time. Mm-hmm. And he was also his own composer for all, most of his films. Mm. So, Carpenter would be an interesting pick to go with the horror aspect.
0: Har- mm, yeah,
1: okay. he would go with the horror aspect. Carpenter would go with, Carpenter would go with the horror aspect. Fosse would go with the musical theater aspect because he also liked making it a movie and not a mu- like a musical. Yeah, uh, and and he always did like darker movies as well. Yeah, Scorsese I would say for the street. Like city aspect of like Victorian London, like he'd be making mean streets, but Sweeney Todd.
0: You, you said Scorsese's done a musical. Is that New York, New York, New York is 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 a musical. All right. technically. I have not seen it. <laughs> that was and 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 I think that was part of the thing for me is like I I would like someone that has that I know has the ability to make music and and film married really well together.
1: Yeah. It didn't do well. New York, New York did not do well. Um, <laughs> I'm shocked
0: to hear but this. But yeah,
1: those are my picks. Uh, so moving on, does this film fit with any other genre? Horror genre is horror the one that we've sure. talked about.
0: That's it.
1: <laughs> that's well, no, the,
0: I, I that's was, the one.
1: I, the big one. Yeah, horror and revenge. Reven- it's a revenge movie.
0: Oh, yeah. I didn't know if you would count that as a genre, but absolutely. It is? Oh, yes. most. We did a whole episode on revenge movies, well, Sean. I mean... Like when you say a revenge movie, I don't think of that as a film genre so much as a film theme. It's uh, a subgenre, or it's a, a subgenre of film, or a genre of Quentin Tarantino film because uh, he I mean, does Tarantino's have that trilogy. His own
1: subgenre too.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, anyway, final question: How does this film fit with the movie musical genre? Okay, so this is the big thing for me,
0: right? <laughs> this is where I want to talk about *Lamez*. And I want to talk about like the music. Don't spend too
1: much time no. right at the end of the show. Sean.
0: I know. I know. <laughs> no. But the interesting thing about this movie is even for Sondheim, uh, this musical, even for Sondheim, this is basically an opera. And the yes. guy who ran the, the met uh, the metropolitan actually was uh, on opening night of the stage musical was like, Oh yeah, this is totally an opera. I wish we could have gotten it on our stage. Mm-hmm. This is this movie this movie does not this movie is not a west side story this movie is not a a the jazz singer or or which ugh, but uh, it's not a singing in the rain it doesn't really it has not yet impacted the industry in any major way unfortunately in my opinion but i think this movie shows that what tom hooper was trying to do with lame is which is another opera yeah. You know, it, it, they are musicals, but they are operas because they are almost entirely music. Tom Hooper was big into the close up, close up, close up the entire time to make it a movie more than a. Yeah. And I like like I said, I like Lame is the movie. There are things that don't quite work about it. And he goes he plays a little too hard into it. And now that he has made Cats, no one's ever going to trust him with a musical again or perhaps a movie. Uh, but. I think that that's what this, I think this movie can do two things. One, it can show, we'll say three things. One, it can show that adult themes in musicals are very possible and can, can make money. They don't have to be sunny, bright, poppy. They don't -hmm. have to be hairspray. They don't have to be, you know, the, 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 the 1950s, the things that we think of with musicals where it's like people singing, dancing and ensembles and ah, they can be, and those can be good and valid it doesn't have to be the other adult content can work in a musical if you Mm -hmm. give it a chance Two, I think that it really does show exactly how to bridge the gap between a stage musical and a movie musical Mm -hmm. because it it knows what to cut it knows how to cut it and it very intelligently worked with the original composer which is I think actually very important but it, it it shows that it, showed, it plays the medium correctly mm-hmm. uh, instead of just I'm filming a musical like, say, the producer's mo- movie musical. That was a big complaint that I heard about that from musical theater. People was like, which was they basically just know, filmed the musical. Which
1: I name drop as well in the first episode. That's yeah. the movie that does that.
0: Yeah. Uh, and I liked it. But, yeah, it's more of a musical than a movie. Uh, and then the third thing that it does is, like I said before... It's weird that Sondheim hasn't been more popular in the film and television industry. Like he has done songs throughout, but his when it comes to his musicals that he has written songs and lyrics for both, not many of them have actually been filmed.
1: Yeah, we're getting there. Fun,
0: yeah. Funny thing happened to the way of, uh, on the way to the forum, and a little night music, 66, 77, and then nothing for thirty years. He like Gypsy was not written and song and lyrics by him. West Side Story not song and lyrics by him. Sweeney Todd was the first one in thirty years that was song and lyrics by him. Then there's Into the Woods, which didn't work because it yeah it didn't it, it was too it missed Theater. the tone of the it, it, well i think
1: it missed the tone of the of the musical too it missed the tone plays- of the
0: musical it cut some things that i don't think should have been cut and i think it failed on what sweeney todd succeeded at it failed at making it a movie because it, when you're when you're located in one location for the entire thing a the woods it's you have to do something with that you have to do something
1: um well i think that's it on Sweeney Todd Dean Barber Fleet Street Sean how do you feel about it <laughs> he just
0: showed up sorry
1: <laughs> he feels good his cat Sean is holding his cat turpentine
0: turpentine sweet got clean teeth and everything
1: alright so that's all we have for you Uh, make sure you subscribe to the Nation Podcast now podcast Spotify Stitcher over your podcast anyhow you already make sure you rise to review on whatever platform you listen to the show on those reviews help us we like hearing you guys say contact us on social media as well we love hearing you hearing what you guys think of the show and kind of the movies we talk about and tell us maybe some stuff you would like to hear us do in the future. I don't know. We might do it. Uh, and hey, already make sure you like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Sean, thank you so much for finally joining me on the show. <laughs> Five years in the making.
0: No, just do another month or two of musicals and I'll come back. There's, there's a lot to talk about.
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe we can get Sean to, to go back to writing Medium articles about musicals. That's what I'm wanting. That's what I'm fighting for. so thank you all for listening we hope you listen to more episodes soon bye